Amen. And Psalms 121, 1 through 8, that is the, the lectionary reading of the day. It's, it's the psalm of, uh, of today. And, and as I read, I read that on Friday, and I felt like the Lord was kind of nudging me um, along. And, and I'm, I'm not going to say it was divine inspiration. You know, I'm not going to say God told me to change my message because I'm not going to be one of those people. Uh, a lot of people will say God tells them things all the time. And, and then you see how they live their life and you think, well, how come you miss that? <laughs> anyway. Uh, but, but I love in this, this, this scripture, he says that I will watch over you. I do not sleep. I will be your shade from the sun. And I felt like, you know, somebody here needed to see, the, see this, needed to hear this this morning, that God sees you. He's not sleeping on you. He's watching over you. He's not asleep. He's beside you. He stands beside you. And don't you sometimes wish that you could see him? Don't you sometimes wish, God, I wish that I could see you. I wish that I could see you with my own eyes. You tell me you're there. You told me you'd never leave me. You'd never forsake me. But why can't I see you? Have you ever wished that? I've wished that. I wish that a lot. Or, or, or I'll pray something like, God, just show me. You know, I'm standing at a fork in the road. And, you know, Yogi Berra, Yogi Berra said, take it. You know, when you come to the fork in the road, take it. That was his advice. But I wish that we could go to God and say, God, which way? Could you plainly tell me which way I need to go? Do I need to, ladies, do I need to drop this loser and move on? That's usually the case, by the way. That's usually the right way. That's usually the way to go, girls. Guys, do I need to buy the ring? Do I need to go to Jared? Don't you wish that God would just show up and tell you, yeah, this is what you need to do? Fortunately for me, my wife was so perfect that I didn't even have to pray and ask God. I just knew. (laughs) And obviously she didn't pray because he would have said, drop the loser and move on. My Uncle Jonathan likes to say when, we got, when, when he and his wife got married, it was for better or worse. He couldn't have done better and she couldn't have done worse. And that's <laughs> kind of how it is with Sally and I. I couldn't have done better. She couldn't have done worse. But sometimes we wish that we could see God was really there. He tells us he's there. We read about him being there and never leaving us, never forsaking us. But where are you, God? Why is this happening to me? If you really love me, why am I going through this? Uh, there's a story in 2 Kings, the sixth chapter, that kind of, that I want to read to you, and then I want to take a few things from it. I believe I sent that. 2 Kings 6. <clears throat> uh, I sent her like five slides, Chris, so the one that says 8 through 10 is where we're going to start. You don't have it? Well, I'll just read it then. Uh, 2 Kings 6, 8 through 10. Oh, there it is. When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. 
But immediately Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place, for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on alert there. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It is not us, my lord, the uh, It is not us, my lord, the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Not really, not those chariots of fire. Elisha understood something that the servant didn't understand. He had faith, and he knew that God was there. There's a couple things, though, I want to pull out of this story uh, before we move on. Number one, I think is interesting, is that Elisha could tell when the king was about to attack Israel, but he didn't seem to have the foreknowledge that he was coming to his house. Right? Elisha didn't know to get up and leave. Elisha could see the mess going on in everybody else's life, but he didn't always notice it going on in his own. Elisha could see... Uh, have you ever been blindsided by something? And then somebody tell you, oh, I knew he wasn't right for you. Or, I knew you were going to get fired from that job. Or, I knew that was not going to, have you ever had something like that happen? You're like, why didn't you tell me? (laughs) Why did you say something? Well, you wouldn't listen. Well, you're right. But Elisha could, uh, one of two things happened here. Either Elisha didn't, didn't, didn't know the attack that was coming against him, or he just had that much faith in God. That's a possibility. Or he didn't, he didn't perceive what was going to happen to him. Sometimes that's the case in our lives. We can sometimes see things coming down the road for other people, but we don't always see the things coming against us. We don't always see the train coming straight at us. Right? So that's one observation. Sometimes we're the last ones to know. I just turned this on. There we go. Sometimes we're the last to know. Uh, The second observation is sometimes we feel surrounded. The the servant of Elisha stepped outside and looked, and they were surrounded. It was coming from, they were surrounded on all sides. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like it was coming at you from all sides? There's a joke. uh, A guy went to the doctor a couple days later, the doctor calls him and says, hey, I've got, I've got your test results back. I've got some good news and bad news. What do you want first? And he's like, give me the good news first. 
And the doctor said, well, you have 24 hours to live. He said, what? 24 hours to live? That's the good news? What's the bad news? He's like, well, my secretary was supposed to call you yesterday. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes life comes at us like that. Sometimes we are surrounded on all sides. Sometimes it's coming at us from all directions. Sometimes the doctor reports. Sometimes the kids are acting up. Sometimes the boss. Sometimes it's from every, everywhere, right? And that's how the servant felt. It was coming. We're surrounded. What are we going to do? Sometimes everywhere we turn, there's another gut punch. That's what life does to us sometimes. Elisha, we're surrounded. What are we going to do? And then Elisha just prays, prays for him. Elisha prays for a servant. So the third thing that I pull out of this story is that we all need an Elisha in our lives. We all, the scripture there calls him the man of God. And I'm, I'm not going to go IFB on you and tell you that you all need an MOG in your life, a man of God in your life like me. That's not what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> we all need each other. And that seems to be a theme around here lately, is that we need one another. We need one another. I need you to tell me it's not as bad as it looks. I need you to tell me, I mean, we can get through this. There's more of us than there are of them. I need you to tell me that. And guess what? You need me to tell you that sometimes. You need me to lift you up and pray for you. I need you to lift me up and pray for me. We need each other. We need each other. We're here to encourage one another, to tell one another that God is not asleep, that God is not asleep on you. God has not left you. God is not running from you. That God is all around you. And that if you could only see what really is happening, that there's more of us than there is of them. And that there are chariots of fire around us. Amen. Amen. We all need an Elisha in our lives. We need one another. That's you know, we harp on this a lot. Why come to church? Why come to church? Because we need each other. We need each other, lifting each other up. Elisha prayed for him, and God opened his eyes. We need to encourage one another. The fourth thing I want to extrapolate from the story, I probably used, I wanted to use a big word to impress you. I probably used it wrong. The fourth thing is, that God is all around you. That God is there. That God is there. Even when there's hurt, even when there's pain, even when there's suffering, even when there's sickness, when there's disease, when there's bad doctor reports, when there's bad reports coming from your kid's school, when there's, God is there. He is there. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. And it seems like sometimes he's not there, but he's there. He's in the hospital room, in the treatment center, in the courtroom, in the prison cell. God is everywhere. There is nothing that can separate you from God. Romans 8, 35, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? or are persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death? No, despite all these 
things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing, look at your neighbor and say nothing, I stole that from Walker, nothing can ever, say ever, ever, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing ever can separate us from God's love. Well, you don't know what I've done. <laughs> I've been bad. It doesn't matter. It can't separate you from the love of God. Neither death, not even death, can separate you from God's love. Oh, that's not, surely that's not what Paul means there. No, I'm pretty sure that's what he means. Because then he contrasts it with life. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, can not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Nothing could ever separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Man, that's, that's a good place to shout and jump and run and Start a Jericho march and just start going old school. But you might say, uh, you say God's with me, but I can't see him. You say, you, preacher, you're saying all this stuff, but I'm still going through a hard time. Life's still coming at me. Where is God? I cannot see him. Everybody do me a favor. Everybody close your eyes. I'm not going to come take your wallets and your... If you want, pick your purses up and hold them tight, ladies and men. Keep your hand on your wallet. I'm... Everybody close your eyes. <laughs> when you open your eyes, you're going to see God. I mean, that's quite a statement for me to say. When you open your eyes, you will see the love of God. You will see God all around you. Okay, open your eyes. Look around. Everybody look around behind you. People in the front row, look around. Look around. See those faces? See all those faces? God's in those faces. God is in those faces. How does God show his love toward you? Well, he sent his son to die on the cross and he came and he forgave you. But now God shows his love for you in the physical form. How does God show John love? Through me. How does, how does he physically? Yes, God loves us emotionally and God's saving us continually. But physically, how does, how does John receive the love of God? How does Elizabeth receive the love of God? Pastor Sharon, how do they receive from somebody else? You are the body and the blood of Christ to others. We take of the body and the blood of Christ and it transforms us and it makes us forgiving people, loving people, people who are, will, be, will give their lives like Christ did. 
We're not God. That's not what I'm saying. And don't, mis- don't mistake what I'm trying to say here. I'm not saying that we are God and now we all will build temples to ourselves. And, and I'm not saying anything along those lines. I'm putting some responsibility on each and every one of us. That we, to one another, are to be the love of Christ. That when you look at me, what you should see coming out of me is the love of Christ. What you should see coming out of me is God and the love of God. If I really have a relationship up here with him, if he is really working on the inside of me, then what comes out of me, no matter what you do to me, is the love of Christ. Amen? Chris Green says it this way. He says that, that Jesus is like the rock that Moses struck in the wilderness. And God, God told Moses, speak to the rock. And Moses was, Moses, Moses, Moses was mad and he struck the rock, but water still came out of it. And he said, that's what Jesus was and that's what we have to be. Whether people speak to us kindly or whether they strike us, what comes out of us has to be the life of God. Oh, that's just ridiculous. You can't expect me to treat other people. People who treat me bad, you can't expect me to treat them that way. Well, I didn't come up with it. I didn't come up with it. Jesus Christ said this, you have heard it said, love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. We say this all the time. He didn't command us to walk on water because he knew that we couldn't do it. He gave us commands that he knew that we could do. Love your neighbor and love your enemy. So I didn't mean to go into all that. I don't know why I did, but nothing can separate us from the love of God. And the love of God is all around us. And we get to be the love of God. Pastor Walker preached uh, a while ago about how that we are co-laborers with Christ. And guess what? He didn't come up with that either. That's in the scripture. We are co-laborers with him. Doing what? Bringing love and peace and joy and justice to this world that needs love and peace and joy and justice. We need justice in this world. I saw today a campaign, not today, this past week, a campaign um, for all these uh, young men who are wrongly imprisoned and on death row and judges and prosecutors just ignoring the facts right in front of them. Church, we need to be concerned about that. We need to pray against that. Amen. Amen. You are surrounded by love. No matter what you have faced or what you're facing, we are all here for you. And we can't always make the scorching sun go away, but we can hold an umbrella for you and do our best to shield it from hitting you. That's what, that's what the psalmist says. He said uh, in the Psalms 121 that I read, God, you're standing behind me and you're a shade for me. And that's what we do for each other sometimes, church. That's why it's so important to come and to be in part of, of a group of believers so that when life punches you in the gut and when life kicks you when you're down, then you can come, come in here and you can say to somebody, man, I'm going through a hard time. I don't see God. And they can wrap their arms around you. And they can be God to you. Yeah. 
Not, again, please don't mishear me. Not someone for you to worship. Not someone for you to sacrifice. No. They can lift you up. And they can help show you God is with you. God is behind you. God is all around you. They can be the Elisha to you. Amen. Amen. My message is kind of a mess today. I'm sorry. It's not really points or I'm all over the place. But we are surrounded by love. We're surrounded by love and we are called to. Scripture tells us to cast uh, or to bear ye one another's burdens. So fulfill the law of Christ. We come up alongside each other and we if you see somebody struggling with with a burden, you don't just keep on walking. You walk up beside them and say, can I help you? And I believe I, I think. I'm not trying to pat us on the back, but I think we do a fair job at that at this church. I want to do better. I want to keep doing more. But that's another reason why we come to bear one another's burdens. When you see somebody going through a hard time, you come along and say, man, I can't alleviate all of your burden, but I can help you with a little bit. And then the next person says, I can't help you with all of it, but I can do a little bit. And then if everybody does a little bit, all of a sudden the burden's light. So we're called, knowing, knowing that God is all around us. And knowing that he's always with us, we are called to a life free of worrying. And this, this is hard. Luke 12, 25 through 26 says this. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, I, I love how Jesus says that's a little thing. Jesus says adding time to your life is a little thing. Little thing to him. Big thing to us. What's the use of worrying over bigger things? In this life, you'll have some trouble. But don't worry, you'll make it double. Don't worry, be happy. Anybody ever heard that song? <clears throat> Don't worry. We spend, all, we spend all this time and energy worrying over things that we cannot control. If God is really all around us and, and, and we are all here for each other, then we don't need to worry. We don't have to worry. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Let me repeat that. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. We all quote that and we pray it. We pray it sometimes in the King James, uh, the peace that passes all understanding. We pray God give someone that peace or let someone experience that peace. Well, Paul tells us here how to get it. It's to not worry and to pray and tell God what we need and then to leave it in his hands and to leave it up to him. So Peter tells us Jesus did. He, gave, he turned himself over to the one he knew who could just rightly, judge rightly, not just rightly. <laughs> it's, it's hard to not worry. I understand that. And this is just kind of a, an addendum on the earlier part of my message. I told you it, didn't, it doesn't make, make much hermeneutic sense, and it's not 
three points and a tearjerker poem at the end and a beautiful introduction. But it is what it is. And it's what you're getting today, so. So you better just love it. No, I'm just kidding. You might as well start amen and now, so I'll just sit down and be quiet and think that you got it. <laughs> I'm just being truthful. He tells us how we can get that peace that passes all understanding. He gives us the key to it. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you'll experience, then, then, conditionally, you will experience it then. If you're not worried and if you give it to God, then you will experience this peace that doesn't make sense. In face of your circumstance that is hard and difficult and everyone will say, why are you so happy? Have you seen your bank account? Why are you so happy? Have you seen your kids? Why are you so happy? Have you seen your husband? Why are you so happy? It's the peace that passes all understanding. is available if you will give it to God and not worry about anything. Amen. Amen. I've heard it said that you can either worry or you can trust God. But you can't do both. You can either worry about something till you're sick or you can trust God. But you can't do both. Worry and trust won't share a house. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask the band if they'll come up and we're going to go into a time of communion. Wow, it's only 11.07. <laughs>